What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Sex is the life force energy that runs through us all. The link between sex, creativity, and the sense of aliveness is strong. Can you use sexual energy for your spiritual evolution or perhaps for emotional healing? Is it even possible? Clinical sexologist Dr. Martha Tara Lee will explore all these and more on the Eros Evolution Show here on Om Times Radio and TV. Hello, hello, and welcome to Eros Evolution. This is where we talk about sex, spirituality, and everything in between. I have with me a very special guest all the way from the US. And uh, today's uh, title of the show is What Predicts Sexual Satisfaction with Dr. Tara. So Dr. Tara will be discussing her 5,000 participant research uh, on significant pre 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 um, predictors of uh, sexual satisfaction. Interestingly, uh, one of the most important factors is sexual confidence. So we will be talking more about where your sexual confidence comes from and how you can cultivate it through sexual well-being activities. So a little bit about Dr. Tara. Su Win Ya Chan Pon. Uh, which uh, she's Thai. Uh, she is a sexual communication expert and she's a tenured professor of relational and sexual communication at uh, California State University, Fullerton, which is uh, she's an award winning researcher and sex and relationship coach at lovebites.co. So it's L U V bites.co. And uh, she's the host of her own podcast called Love Bites by Dr. Tara which uh, focuses on sexual wellness. So her work has been featured in Cosmopolitan, Women's Health Magazine, Insider, and other media outlets. Uh, so do check out her TEDx talk called Become Sexual, Sexually Con uh, Powerful, which, which, which also highlights her 5,000 participant study uh, examining predict... Uh, yes. And uh, so she will also share then um, her journey from being an anxious migrant from uh, Thailand to becoming a sexually confident expert. So her goal is to normalize sex talks and help people live a more passionate life and feel more sexually fulfilled through confidence and communication coaching. So welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Martha. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Thank you for, for coming. Uh, so we never met each other before this. So this is the first time we're meeting. And um, so so tell me about your journey to becoming a sex communications researcher. 
Yeah. So, you know, like you said, I'm from Thailand. So I was born and I grew up in Thailand in a very sexually conservative culture. So I think a lot of people, when they think of Thailand, especially Westerners, uh, when they think of Thailand, they think it's very sexually liberal because the movies tend to portray, you know, sex tourism and this and that, right? When in fact, when you're from Thailand, it's completely different. It's actually very sexually conservative. Uh, I'd say sexually repressed and uh, sex is not talked about. We did not have sex education. So I, so growing up, I had like no knowledge of sexuality or sexual communication. And so I navigated like my whole twenties with just trial and error, right? Like I dated a bunch of people, like things didn't work out. I was really bad at communication. I was bad at breaking up with them cheating on people got cheated on so it's just you know a typical drama of a 20 something year old and then when i started uh learning and researching relationships in my graduate school so i came to the us i uh, went to a master's here and then i went to a phd in arizona here is in california and then i went to my phd in arizona so during the all of these years of graduate learning, I learned more and more that sex is one of the most important things to uh, that predicts like relationship satisfaction, but people don't talk about right like there are really commendable uh, researchers coaches therapists that are doing this work uh, like you do um, on on the internet like on social media which is awesome uh, but it's still still very much like a taboo thing to talk about so that's why like uh, you know as i graduated and i became a professor i got my dream job as a professor at cal state university of fulton uh, and I was assigned this course. I was so excited because I didn't even know that I can teach a full university course on sex. Like now I teach uh, sexual communication and then uh, interpersonal relationships. So two separate classes. And it's just been a joy. So that's kind of like my journey throughout this graduate school thing. I also went into my own like sexually awakening journey where I was doing a lot of um, self-exploration and uh, spiritual activities like this show state spirituality it was uh, i started to meditate every day and then i explored sexual meditation i explored um, mindful masturbation and then i explored all kinds of things to help me like help myself get better uh, with my own sexual well-being so it's been a long journey I'm so proud of you and I'm so happy that uh, you are doing what you do. The world definitely needs you and uh, also uh, needs representations from Asians, uh, from Asia. So, oh, um, so tell us a little bit more uh, how this uh, study that you have done um, started. Yeah, so I first wanted to study something related to sexual communication because that's my field. And I kept seeing more and more in studies how much how important sexual communication is at predicting sexual satisfaction. Uh, but they're typically a smaller size study because as you can tell, like surveying a, a topic about sex is a little bit difficult. Um, so I've seen a smaller size study done on this before, but not necessarily, uh, you know, 
a lot of them. So as a social scientist, right, we like replication and confirming results. And that's why I thought, you know, I could do something completely brand new, or I can help solidify the importance of communication in a romantic relationship by replicating uh, the same previous finding with a larger sample. So that's kind of my, my uh, inspiration. It's like, I think it's so important and I want to be able to show that it is with a larger sample. Yeah, so 5,000 people is no mean feat uh, because uh, any study that wow. has more than 3,000 people is is legit, you know, it's solid. Uh, yeah, and it took a long time uh, and a lot of people to help recruit. Uh, I, I did not pay for it, so... Uh, next time, I'll probably try to pay for it so it's faster. So what was the demographic? Yeah, so it's uh, it's all conducted in the United States. Uh, everyone that took a survey live in the United States and identify as American. So we don't have uh, people like internationally. So everyone's American, but different racial background. Uh, in terms of racial background, we have a pretty diverse group of people. Uh, there's white Caucasian, Asian, uh, Black, African-American, uh, Latinx, Hispanic. You know, and there we also have like other uh, like mixed race um, and like Islanders, Pacific Islanders and such, and Native Americans. So I, we have a really diverse group of Americans. Um, that's not just one particular racial background. Yeah. And, so what about uh, people of different um, gender and sexual orientations? Yeah, uh, I did not limit it to just heterosexuals in which like a lot of st sexuality studies in the past have done. And I completely understand their rationale, right? Because you want to study a small demographic to show, uh, oh, this works in this particular demographic. So I definitely get that. In my, in my own rationale, I wanted to show how important communication is to a romantic relationship and someone's sex life without the boundaries of sexual orientation. I feel like even if, if you are a lesbian, gay, trans, queer, communication is still one of the most important things ever. So I did not limit it to just heterosexual. It's it's everyone and the breakup. I don't have the specific numbers, but it's the majority is still heterosexual, but we still have every group represented, like LGBTQ, um, non-binary. Yeah, that's great. So it's uh, as is as inclusive as it can be. So what's the findings uh, when it comes to satis sexual satisfaction? So you mentioned communication is a big part of it. Yeah. Is communication number one? Communication is number one. <laughs> uh, sexual communication is the number one predictor of long-term sexual satisfaction. It, but in, in this study, you know, it was a little difficult to define sexual satisfaction because it's different for everyone, right? Like we can say sexual satisfaction is pretty subjective. Um, some research in the past has, uh, has measured it through like number of orgasms, uh, or just like have people report or they do like oxytocin, um, serotonin level. So there's all kinds of ways to like measure sexual satisfaction. But at the end of the day, I feel like sexual satisfaction is so subjective. Like if we think about like frequency, some people still say, oh, I want to have sex three times a week. Some people say I want to have sex once a week. Some people say I want to have sex once a month and I'll be happy. 
So like, what is a happy sex life? So subjective. Like, what do you think? What do you think is, you know, you study specifically populations in Asia, right? Like, what do you think is like a happy sex life? Um, so many of my clients, so I'm in private practice. So many of my clients are not able to have sex and have sexual difficulties. Um, I have many clients who do not know how to consummate their marriage or basically experience the first time sex. I have a lot of clients with primary vaginismus, uh, which is a condition ha that happens when the vagina shuts down, making penetration difficult, impossible. And I have just a lot of clients who, um, don't have sex education and so they don't have the sexual skills and because they don't have the sexual skills and knowledge then it translates to the lack of sexual um, confidence and uh, difficulties in the bedroom but all across the board I would have to agree that every single one of them have difficulties around communication and uh, the reason is because as a society we don't really talk about sex and uh, even amongst friends people don't really have those kinds of intimate conversations with friends. Okay. And so um, it, it keeps coming up. People asking me, how should I say it? How should I say it? And so uh, I will role play with them and I would, you know, um, validate them, confirm the them. Thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll give them scripts. I'll give them scripts. So I agree with you that sex is more than sex. It's not just about orgasms and frequency mm -hmm. of sex. And even though there's this big... Um, um, thing around like um, orgasm gap and um, how how bad it is and, and all that. I think that there are bigger issues at play besides orgasm. Um, things like not knowing their own body, uh, mm -hmm. people not knowing where's their vagina, where's the clit, they are not sure. Mm -hmm. I think these are things that may be very, very basic in the US, but are still the things that we are tackling over here. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's still so many people here, too, that I talk to that, for example, I, I always ask people for fun when I go to dinner parties, like, did you masturbate today? And there will be some people that say, oh, I don't do that. Uh, which is, to me, is pretty interesting because I think masturbation is one of the ways to explore your body, right? And if you don't masturbate, like, how will you know, like, what you like, what you dislike, or what pleasure feels like? So to me, uh, that still exists here. But, you know, it's interesting that you say uh, there's a lot of people with, like, physical pain. I think that's a difficult topic to address as well because, for example, uh, if you're a woman and you're married and you tell your husband, like, hey, you know, I have vaginismus or, like, other types of uh, physical pain, like vaginal pain, and there isn't really, you know, a, a cure to it per se, uh, how do you negotiate from there? Like, yes, you're the husband and you have your sexual needs. Yeah. Like, what do you recommend? Yes. So it's, it's very, very tough because a lot of people who have vaginismus don't know what they have. They don't know they have this condition like yesterday. Uh, and it's pretty common, actually, in my work, uh, people are writing me an essay, like one page describing the issue, but not knowing that actually it is vaginismus. Uh, mm. So the helplessness around it, the fear of... Um, divorce and cheating, the fear of not being able to have a child. Uh, most of them do want to have a child. So uh, this is all interwoven to many other um, issues, uh, pressure from family to have a child. 
and uh, all that peer pressure, that uh, projection onto other people. Oh, other people are so easy for them. Other people are having good sex. So, so yeah, it's, it's very, very frustrating. But anyway, coming back to your original question to me yeah. about what I consider is a satisfaction, sexual satisfaction, um, I, I think it needs to be mutual. It always needs to be mutual, like um, um, both people feeling empowered and both people feeling that they are able to get and take pleasure from the session versus like, oh, just giving it to someone is a duty is a chore mm -hmm. and uh feeling that feeling anger and resentment and and frustration mm -hmm. um just to keep the peace i feel i feel that actually um people who do that end up uh, being in a relationship that is if even more um unsatisfying because they feel that if you're going to do something do it do it well or do it properly mm -hmm. do it full-heartedly rather than feeling like um you're forced to do it and so I feel it's so important uh, to for it to be mutual. Mm -hmm. Oh, I completely agree. And I think pleasure is one of the greatest things in the world. And sexual pleasure is something that, you know, because of your body, you get to experience it. And without, you know, like you can go to a three Michelin star restaurant and have an amazing meal, right? You can stay home and have an amazing time as well, like with your bodies, uh, yet a lot of people are not psychologically there to experience it, you know? So I, I completely agree. I think it should be mutual. Uh, it, I mean, the best best case scenario is when two people are both into it. Uh, they're, and they're, it's, it's psychologically pleasurable and physically pleasurable, right? So that would be the ideal scenario. So in my study, I measure it through a validated uh scale and the items ask them to rate themselves so it's subjective rating uh how satisfied are you in in your sex life uh and they're like how happy are you with your sex life how happy are you with the sexual frequency you get how happy are you with this sexual desire you experience and things like that and there's uh, 12 different items and then you just rate it on a Likert scale uh, so on average people who tend to communicate more about sex, so higher level of sexual communication, uh, score higher in sexual satisfaction. And when I ran uh, regression to see how much it predicts the outcome, uh, it predicts it at a really good rate that I think legit we can legitimately say that everyone should get better at sexual communication. And uh, my goal is to normalize like sex talks, just talking about sex as if it's a normal thing because it is, and then help people gain their sexual communication competence. Yeah, I love that. Um, do you have some tips around this? Yes, 100%. I also want to recognize too, I'm, I'm from Thailand. So I know Thailand, Singapore uh, are similar in terms of how like sexually conservative it is and how like people don't talk to their friends about sex especially if they have issues if sex is great they may say it they may they may they may say oh my god my boyfriend's so good or or my my wife is uh, great in bed right but they would never say they have issues 
And I think that that has to change. I think the fact that you know people like you and other people in Singapore that are talking about different sex issues like vaginismus and things that people have never even heard of is so important because uh, it has to be normalized at a societal level too. It has to be normalized in the media too, which is. I think it's a little bit more difficult in Singapore, right? Like here, there's more and more TV shows. Like there's a new TV show on Netflix called "The Principles of Pleasure." Uh, do you see it in Singapore? Yeah, I've watched it. Okay, I, I wasn't I sure if they it. banned it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I know they banned it in some countries, uh, but that's about female pleasure, and it's so great, right? So I think um, shows like that should help. Normalized a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, and over the next 20 years, hopefully, it gets significantly better. My yeah. personal tips for like interpersonal interaction is for those of you that that have you know that are a little bit more like outgoing personality in your friend group, I highly encourage you be the person that talks about sex in your friend group. They will thank you internally because they want to talk about it, but they don't want to be the person that starts, right? So I'm sure you're the person in in your friend group to talk about sex. Yes. So yeah, right? um, I I I I started doing this before I was a sexologist because I asked myself, you know, it's so important the quality of my friends that I don't need to have many friends, but I I do want to have a handful of really really close. Uh, to my heart friends that I can say anything to. So then I was asking myself, why am I not talking about sex with them? And so one day I just started and um, how I did it was I just started talking about my own sex life and mm -hmm. how I felt. And then I just, in a very detached, uh, casual way, asked them if they would like to share about their sex lives. And of course, they are not under any obligation to do that. But uh, once that happened, then yes, there was so much of these layers coming on, and it wasn't it wasn't really as difficult as people think. So right. I do teach this with my clients, uh, my clients who, uh, especially women, who say that um, they don't talk about sex with anybody. Yeah, it's uh, that's so great. And that's an example that I'm trying to give is like, you be the person in your friend group that start talking about sex, I promise you other people will start sharing. Uh, they just don't want to be the person that starts. So yeah, be, be the change you want to see. Be the change you want to see exactly. Uh, and for lovers for romantic relationship. There's two people sometimes more but I assume in Singapore, there's two people. <laughs> a polyamorous relationship is not recognized, right? Is it? Uh, it is. It does happen, but yeah, they're not recognized legally. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't think here it's like recognized. Like polygamy is not recognized um, legally, uh, but a lot of people have poly polyamorous relationships. Anyways, uh, in a relationship of two people, you know, one person will have to start talking about sex for the other person to come around and join. So definitely people that are listening to this show, I mean, you're already interested in sexuality. That's why you're listening. Be the bigger person, be the courageous person, be the communicative, uh, mindful person and start talking. How do you start? I typically um, even just say, you know, I even just start with like, how are you feeling about our sex life? Mm. How are you feeling about our sex life, baby? <laughs> right? And then the first time I can tell you it will be awkward and it's okay. You've never talked about sex ever before. The first time will be awkward. It's kind of like if you've never ride a bicycle, the first time will be awkward. 
right? And then you just get better. So ask this maybe once a month, once or once every three months. How are you feeling about our sex life? And then see where that conversation takes you. Uh, if they feel emotionally safe with you, they'll probably share how they're feeling. But if they don't feel emotionally safe, they might not feel like, oh, I don't want to share because they will get offended. Oh, I don't want to share because I don't want them to leave me. That's a bigger problem. Like, like you said before, sex is a lot yeah. of times not just sex, right? It's like emotional safety. Um, it's attachment. Uh, so many other things. So if you're not able to talk about sex in your relationship, something else is wrong. And it's worth investigating perhaps with a sexologist or a therapist. Um, Very true. Many, many years ago, well, more than once, actually, I've had clients who say that they are sexual with a partner and they just never talk about it. So one particular client been married for 30 years and never talked about it. And other ones, when I ask, what do you think about the quality of your sex life? How has it been? Says, oh, very good. We have a lot of sex every week. I was like, yeah, you're having the quantity. But did you ever ask your partner? what they think of sex and how sex is for them. Never. So that's actually <laughs> really quite common. Yeah, yeah. The lack of communication is astounding. Like it's it's the norm, actually. The norm is not talking about sex, which is terrible. We should be talking about things that are important to us, especially when it comes to sexuality. I definitely want to also touch upon other predictors of sexual satisfaction, if that's okay. Um, another one that you'll really relate or resonate with uh, that predicts sexual satisfaction is sexual mindfulness. And what kind of practice, you know, uh, what kind of practice like predicts the ability to be sexually mindful during a sexual encounter is typically like spirituality related activities like meditation, like breath work, like yoga, right? Do you do yoga? I don't. <laughs> but I, meditate. I meditate every day. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, I meditate every day too, even just for five minutes. Uh, I try to do five minutes every day so I'm, so I don't feel like I'm pressuring myself to do more. I know some people do like an hour, which is amazing. I hope I get there someday. But uh, I also love meditation. And that's one of the act practices that allow you to be more sexually mindful, which then predicts happy sex life, sexual yes. satisfaction. Um, what happens with mindfulness is that it trains you to be in the present. And so when your partner is stimulating you, you can feel what comes up versus your mind being somewhere else and you're distracted. So being in your body uh, helps you to be able to relax and allow the arousal to build up. I'm sure you know all this. Yeah, but it's good to review for the audience, right? Uh, yeah, being completely present and consumed during uh, a sexual encounter, it's kind of like the sex life that people see in movies. <laughs> that two people are so into it, right? And I think people in long-term relationships, they crave that because it's like, oh, it's no longer exciting. Well, maybe sexual mindfulness activities will help you get there. Mm. I, I agree. Um, it's, 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 it's about training the, the mind because 
what happens with some people is they very much just focus on what they're feeling and they get distracted, they get affected by what's going on in the world and uh, in their lives. And so it's really, really difficult to basically control our monkey mind. So mindfulness <laughs> really helps that. And uh, also turning our attention inwards, uh, uh, enjoying the sensations of your body. We have a body that we we are allowed and we should enjoy. So even when you're in your bath, in the shower, like that, those are also mindful practice that you can do. Yeah. So it's nothing like too complicated or difficult <laughs> at all. It's very, very simple to just uh, incorporate that into your life. Yes. Oh, yeah. So with that, we have a break and uh, we'll be back after this break. Om Times TV. Imagine becoming a super influencer. Reinvent yourself, invest in your brand, and then manifest your success with a robust, spheric approach. Ohm Times Media and Broadcasting offers a unique and multifaceted way to become the spiritual and conscious influencer you deserve to be by putting your message across our powerful platform with its proven record of integrity and excellence. Through our produced shows, Ohm Times offers the opportunity to become a social media TV personality, a radio show host, an Ohm Times Magazine columnist, and a syndicated podcaster, all in one shot. By live streaming your show on Ohm Times TV and broadcasting it across the extensive Ohm Times radio and TV networks, you become more than a host. You become an ambassador and a force for positive change. Ohm Times, open yourself to the possibilities. If I could be you, you could be me for just one hour. If we could find a way to get inside each other's minds Walk a mile in my shoes Walk, Walk a mile, mile in my, in my shoes. shoes Well, before you abuse, criticize and accuse Walk, Walk a mile in my shoes Hi, we're back. And uh, in today's show, we're talking about what predicts sexual satisfaction. That's uh, based on Dr. Tara's uh, 5,000 participant research on these predictors on sexual satisfaction. So uh, once again about Tara, she's the host of Love Bites by Dr. Tara podcast. And you can find her on the website Love Bites, that's L-U-V-Bites.co. You can of course also find her lovebites.co on uh, Instagram and TikTok. Um, so besides being a professor and also sex relationship coach, uh, she also is very active uh, on all these uh, social media. So be sure to uh, check her out. So we're talking about the sexual predictors and we talked about sexual communication, sexual mindfulness. So is there, is there, uh, is there more? Yes, 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 yes. Um, another predictor that's extremely important um, in predicting long-term sexual satisfaction, aka a happy sex life, uh, is sexual confidence. Um, how confident are you when it comes to a sexual encounter? How much do you trust that you'll be able to have a 
quote unquote successful sexual encounter, right? So that's sexual confidence. Uh, some people are score high level of sexual confidence, meaning they have full trust in their own abilities to have a successful sexual encounter and to communicate their needs. Some people score low. Uh, moderate or low level of sexual confidence because they just they don't know. They're, a lot of times it's also intertwined with being sexually anxious uh, or nervous and afraid about a sexual encounter, uh, which is completely fine because we can all grow out of it through different practices. But yeah, like a lot of people actually score moderate to low uh, sexual confidence when it comes to trusting their own ability to have a successful sexual encounter. Like if I have to ask people, right, like score yourself from one to 10, how sexually confident are you? Uh, most people are not going to score like seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, right? Uh, like what would you score? 10. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you study this stuff too. So I'm sure, and you meditate every day. So Aww. that's a big part of like being, uh, have like being able to be yourself and approach a sexual situation without anxiety. Um, so for people that have high sexual confidence, they tend to also have a happy sex life. Now, how is it related to one another is two things. One, because they can approach a sexual situation with their partner without anxiety. And then two, because they're confident, they're more verbally, they're more verbal about their sexual desires, wants, and needs. So it's all just good together when you're more confident. And, you know, when we talk about sexual confidence, I think we also talk about the appeal, right? So think about, I mean, like, I'm trying to think who is a famous Asian star from the past, like Lucy Liu. Lucy Liu exudes uh, sexual confidence, right? Like she exudes uh, sex appeal. So I think uh, we have to talk about two, two different angles of confidence. One is the ability to appear confident. Some people are, can appear confident, but in fact, internally, they're not. Like, you know, uh, fake it till you make it. A lot of people say that it works sometimes, uh, but essentially it's probably better to work on yourself to feel really good about yourself and project authentic confidence. Um, there's some people work as like pickup artists. Are there like TV shows about pickup artists in Singapore? Yeah, we don't, but there, there, there is a, a pickup artist movement in Singapore. Oh, and then the, movement. yeah, I, I know. Um, what is it about? <laughs> how to pick up girls, how to be, how to be effective because okay. end of the day um flirting dating is all about communication as well but mm -hmm. i think what they do is they try to one-up someone outsmart them and uh, essentially manipulate people so i think that's the part that i'm i'm against mm -hmm. so yeah so when you mentioned appeal is also about appearing um confident uh, is that is there a second part yeah the second part is the internal feeling confident right Great. there's external and internal like looking confident doesn't mean you feel confident because some people can fake it. Uh, mm. But I think the more important part is that certainty within yourself that you have something to offer, that you're a great person, that you're, uh, that people who are interacting with you are lucky 
to be interacting with you, right? And I think that mm. part is so much more important than just appearing confident, like in a fake manner. So yeah. that internal sense of confidence has a lot to do with self-esteem. Mm. Agree, agree. I love it. Okay, so I'm gonna summarize. So first is being able to approach without uh, approach your partner without any anxiety, confidence about being able to express your needs, wants, desires, and um, then there's appeal, uh, appeal, the appeal of the physical uh, appearance, and also the internal uh, confidence in yourself. Yes, that's a great summary. Yeah, and when you know when I talk about sexual confidence, right? When I dig deeper into what does it mean to have high sexual confidence? What does it mean when someone is super sexually confident? Uh, and when you dig deeper and deeper into the literature and to the body of research, you realize that it has a lot to do with self-esteem. People with high self-esteem, they're so certain about themselves. They feel really good about themselves. So therefore, they're able to project authentic confidence. And I think we should start, you know, education and socialization for children like since young age about how to have high self-esteem about what practices allow people to feel more um like they're proud of themselves right because essentially like what is self-esteem like for example dr martha if if you know your uh younger sister asks you what is self-esteem how would you explain it to them um, I, I think self as is your sense of uh, who you are as a person and uh, being happy about who you are. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah, what you stand for. I, I think self-esteem is very much linked to um, beyond uh, not just self-care, but closer to self-love. Yes. So if you love yourself, you, you are not going to allow yourself to be bullied, to be passed over to be abused you will um know have a clearer sense of your your boundaries mm -hmm. yeah so yeah inner work and <laughs> sometimes life is not such that oh i work on this self-esteem and then i work on my sexual confidence like life just <laughs> right. happens and they're all just um this uh, things that come up and we just navigate our way through them and hopefully we get better at it uh, with time and practice 100%. Yeah. Like nobody was born with sexual confidence, you know, and we were children, like we didn't have sexual confidence. Uh, it is definitely through work, uh, putting in the effort and a lot of self-love, a lot of telling yourself, a lot of positive self-talk, right? Like telling yourself every day uh, how great you are, um, why you should be proud of yourself, um, do it through different practices. Uh, you meditate every day and that's a part of your self-care, right? Uh, do you journal as well? Uh, I used to. I used to journal um, every day. I did this um, exercise book called The Artist Way. So I did it twice. Uh, <laughs> you journal every day for 30 minutes and you do the oh, wow. exercises for three months. And um, that even though my intent was not to unleash my inner artist, but it definitely helped me to be a lot more confident with myself as a person and my uh, more in touch with my creativity. So yeah, anyway, journaling, um, drawing, you know, uh, all these uh, ways really helps. Um, yeah. yeah, there's research that shows that journaling helps improve mental health. 
So journaling is powerful. And, you know, writing things down, the act of writing things down, everything, positive things, negative things, it's very powerful in a way that, let's say for positive things, you write it down. It reinforces that positivity. For negative things, you write it down. You get rid of it from your mind and your body. I think it's so powerful and it's so underrated. I'm, I journal every single day, but I love like low pressure lifestyle. So I tell myself I will journal every single day for at least three sentences. And three sentences Aww. literally takes like two minutes. So it's, it's the best. That's why I like, I think... I'm really, the way that I see myself, it's like, I'm really good at setting goals that I know I can accomplish. And I feel good about myself. Like I can't promise I will meditate one hour, but I can definitely meditate five minutes every day. I can't promise that I will write for one hour, but I can definitely write three sentences every day. So I try to do, um, the journaling that I do is I try to do two sentences of how, why, why am I thankful? What am I thankful for? Like every day. And it can literally be like, I'm thankful for my hands, uh, for allowing me to write and giving a hand job <laughs> <laughs> for my partner. Uh, I'm th- and then like, I'm thankful for my uh, dinner last night with my fiance. Like, you know, just so simple, but yet it reminds me of how great my life is and not to get too caught up with like the stressors of life. We're so stressed. Like modern humans are probably the most stressed humans like ever existed because of all these like modern stressors, right? The more stuff we have, the more money we have, the more people around us, the more stress we get. Yeah, FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, I love what you said about small practices. So I'm a firm believer of um, something is better than nothing. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah, if you break it down into small steps, like what you just uh, are saying, uh, you cannot fail. And it's so important to create small wins in our lives so that we get stronger. So it's so important to do these small practices. I love that you say that. That's just reaffirming my method because like I've been doing this like small practices for many years now. And I used to, when I was like maybe five years ago, I used to like give myself really big goals. (laughs) Like I'm going to journal, you know, uh, 45 like I'm gonna journal morning and night like I'm gonna do a night journal as well uh, then I couldn't do it because I'm so busy and then I want to like socialize with, with my friends I want to go out so then I didn't end up doing it and then like slowly it deteriorates how I feel about myself like I couldn't carry through what I promised to do which seems yeah. very shitty like it feels yeah. bad it's a shitty yeah. feeling, yeah. And so we need to build ourselves up so that we cannot fail. So yeah. the only way is to have small, realistic, uh, little goals. I know, I uh, love So it. that we even start. You know, the fact yeah. that we even do it, we already win like 90% yes. of most people out there. Yes, yes, love it. I love it. Uh, so for all of your audience, like starting to think about, you know, your own sexuality and sexual wellness, I highly recommend writing one sentence in a journal every day about anything related to sex. Maybe why you're thankful about the sex life you have, maybe what turned you on recently, maybe uh, how your partner uh, made you feel good recently, maybe how you plan to make your partner feel good, like whatever it is, one sentence a day, it literally takes 10 seconds. Do it, just do it. It allows you to think about sex more and then sex becomes a little bit more fun, naughty, enjoyable for you in your life too. 
Yeah, because so many people, they may be having sex, they're just following along, but they may not actually ask themselves, what do they want? What right. would they like to try? Uh, what will make it better for them? And uh, it's, it's important to, to put your attention on something that's important so that uh, you think deeper about it and then, you know, things will work out better. Yes, 100%. I love that. And, you know, uh, also like taking classes. I remember uh, in my PhD program, as I as I get older in my later 20s, I try to venture out and take classes. I saw that you had like a blowjob class, right? <laughs> yes, I do. Which is so revolutionary for Asia. Um, and it's great. Like I remember going to uh, an orgasmic meditation class, uh, not knowing what it was about. Uh, I thought it was going to be about meditation, which is kind of is, but it was actually about fingering. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> so it was a, a huge uh, surprise. At first it was really awkward. I was a little anxious, like, oh, I have to like open my legs and like do this activity. But then the more I do it, the more I feel like just silly and just like, oh, I'm just going to do it. Like other, other women are here trying to do this like with me. So uh, taking classes can really open your world uh, about what sexuality and sexual wellness life has to offer. So I think that, you know, for those of you listening in Singapore, you know, Martha has classes, definitely try take one of those classes. It will be so fun. Like if anything, you'll just get to talk about blowjobs for like 40 minutes, which is great. Yeah, it's um, so I run these classes uh, with um, carrots. So none of my classes has nudity. It's super safe. Mm -hmm. And uh, now with Zoom, uh, when I run them on Zoom, um, people have the option of turning their video and their audio off. They can change their names. So I don't really care about those things. I care more about their participation and supporting people to uh, have a better sex life. So so yeah, I I. I, I really think it's, uh, there's something really healing when it comes to being able to attend uh, workshops um, that are more explicit because there's so much shame yeah. around our bodies and nudity. So, yeah, I, I've attended a home uh, session before. And oh, you I, have? I, 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 yeah, yeah, not in Singapore, in Australia. Oh, um, yeah. Like yeah. In Singapore? <laughs> No, like Australia is the closest to uh, sexual, like true sexual liberation yeah. for me. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, awesome. so I love, I love teaching there. <laughs> I love teaching there and um, attending uh, festivals um, there. It's, it's, it's closer for me as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, so you mentioned journaling, uh, gratitude, um, sex practices, reflection, meditation, attending classes. So all these are linked to building up your own um, sexual self, uh, your self-esteem as well as sexual confidence. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I do them too. So I like highly suggest not only from a research perspective, but from my personal experience as well. I love it. I love it. Uh, so at, at this point, I'd love to share a little bit. Um, so I, I I think I started to share at the start of the show that I've, I personally feel that sexual confidence comes from um, having sexual information, like information like this is a condom, this is how you use it, yeah. uh, knowledge. Uh, so knowledge and information difference being that uh, information you get and then knowledge is something that you do and then you, you embody and then it becomes part of you. 
so I actually see sexual confidence as the link between sexual information knowledge and then through practice uh, becoming a skill. And then based on those skills that you develop with time and practice, um, then it becomes part of your sexual experience. And I think sexual confidence also comes from having re received uh, affirmation, uh, compliments from your partner. And through all that, uh, being able to then believe in your own ability. So I don't think that sexual confidence means that you have to go around and sleep with a lot of people. But I really think that these are the building blocks to becoming a sexually confident and expressive uh, person. So I love all the things that you mentioned. I just want to add like that that bit that my perspective on what yeah. I see uh, sexual confidence as. Yeah, I think that's a legitimate point. Now, you know, um, people ask me all the time, like, how do I gain confidence if I can't practice? Like, if I can't go, like, you know, have sex with a bunch of people, like, what am I going to do? Um, I always say, like, it doesn't have to be like, oh, you, you should go have sex with 200 people, then you'll know, right? A lot of times it's also like learning through uh, watching, through reading, through... Um, there, nowadays, there's educational porn, which is so interesting to me because growing up, I did not have that. I watched regular porn and it was bad. So... Uh, Nowadays, there's, you know, instructional videos that you can watch that are really high quality. Um, one of my friends, and he's Asian too, he's an immigrant as well. He's now in New York. Um, uh, Kenneth Play has like sex instruction videos where it's, you know, full on sex. Yeah. Um, but it's so clear at like how to have sex. And I think, you know, watching those things and uh, then like practice it with your partner, I think that can be really cool too. So it's not necessary that you go and have sex with 100 people. Uh, however, if you do if you do enjoy pleasure and you view sex as more, you know, uh, a recreational activity where you can connect with a bunch of people, just make sure you communicate in advance as that's what you do. Because I think there's a lot of people end up hurting other people because of the recreational attitude about sex, right? Without communicating in advance. So definitely communicate like, hey, you know, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm someone who likes to hook up. Like, you know, are you into it? Let's do it. If not, like, that's fine. I think it's also important to communicate something like that up front too, if you're just into sex as a recreational activity. Um, yeah, I agree. One thing that I think about too, like when it comes to bringing in the discussion of culture and sexual guilt and shame is how family structures and uh, religion have both played a role in different cultures, right? So in the US, you will see groups of people that grew up uh, in like very strict Christians households where they were taught, you know, sex is a sin, you can never have sex before marriage because you're going to hell and um, sex is reserved for like pleasuring a man. I was, I recently talked to a woman, she's a painter, she's an artist. And she told me that she grew up like super strict religion, uh, super strict Christian. And, and her, mom told her like, yeah, sex is for men. Like sex is for women to pleasure men. And your job as a good wife is to be there for your husband, for his sexual needs, so he can do great things. And I'm like, oh my God, all of that hurts my heart. Like, uh, you deserve pleasure too. What is it like in Singapore? Because Singapore is a majority, is it majority Christian or majority Buddhism? 
Yeah, we have uh, people of all kinds of uh, races and uh, religions, but I would say that Christianity is uh, the biggest religion at the moment. Um, and uh, they do have quite a big influence on okay. even our sex education program in schools. And uh, it's more of an abstinence-based kind of approach. Mm -hmm. Well, it's better than no sex education, which I did right. not get growing up. Me so people might, <laughs> people my generation uh, really have a lot of problems around their sexuality. Yeah. So I don't understand like the government wants Singaporeans to have babies, but they're not really getting to the root of the issue. Like all these incentives uh, assumes that people can have sex. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. There's incentives to have sex? Yeah. Financial incentives. Like you get baby bonus, you get grants, you get education. You get baby money? Yeah, you get baby money, you get money for having a baby. Whoa. Wow, interesting. That's uh that's good. I mean Yeah, but no amount of money is going to be enough, you know, for the emotional, financial yeah. uh, investment that you have to put into a life. So yeah. I, I am coming across more more clients choosing not to have kids, especially because of COVID and the way the world is turning out. It's turning mm -hmm. to shits now. So I think people are really much more conscious about not bringing another life into this planet and, um, you know, making so things the, worse. So like, general, what's the general statistics in Singapore? Like, are most women working or yeah. are they not? Yeah, most, most women are working because of the high cost of living. It's a bit like New York. So it's so super expensive to be in Singapore now. It's one of yeah. the, it's been both the, the most expensive country in the world several times true yeah <laughs> it is it is pretty expensive so anybody who has the means um will probably at some point think of leaving singapore mm, it's yeah. not a place you want to retire you know with all these policies here and there it's not conducive for um elderly um and having a good life it's really not uh here money talks which is why the fixation with uh, people's careers and uh, therefore it's linked to the the low sex frequency no sex no kids yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, it's very common i have clients who only have sex once a month or once every two weeks it's simply because they are just exhausted they are exhausted yeah. so they come to me asking me like how to make things better and the answer is rest you know tired people don't want to have sex you know there's right. nothing wrong with the fact that you're tired exactly that is a that's a simple solution right like when people that are that overwhelm themselves with different tasks and really the modern stressors like oh i have to work harder so i get that promotion like i mean at the end of the day you make your choice like you make your choice do you you want to make more money have less free time be more stressed that's the choice you make but at the same time i want to be compassionate towards like people with lower income uh i have talked to so sometimes i'll take clients that are like pro bono so sometimes i talk to uh younger women who like accidentally had a child um because of course lack of sex education and all of that and now like raise a child alone while having three jobs and try to like date again and how difficult that is that's a lot more common in the united states though i would think because in 
in Singapore, like families tend to stay together, right? Whether or not they're happy is a different question, but they tend to stay together. Like divorce rate here is really high and like yeah. breakups and um, uh, women that are single mothers, you know, it's a, uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's a, it's a tough situation. At the yeah. end of the day, I do think that this conversation um, is happening between you and I. It's amazing that we can even have this conversation. Uh, yes. so Across I, time and space. Yeah. So I'm just like hopeful about the future, uh, the future yes. of education. So thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you for coming on as a guest. So uh, we do have the end and it's been so enjoyable having you. Uh, so once again, uh, you can follow uh, Dr. Tara at uh, lovebites.co uh, and also on Instagram and TikTok. She is really uh, prolific. And uh, for for myself, you can follow me at drmathody on uh, TikTok and uh, Instagram and um, Facebook as well. So, so yes. So thank you for watching this show. And uh, if you liked it, please uh, reshare it with your friends. Thank, thank you, you very much. much. Thank you. Bye. Bye, thank you.